So, again, thank you so much for your presence here. And I'm very honored to participate in this Atma series that Dinobando has been conducting very diligently for the last years or so. So, it's very inspiring to see that. Uh, determination and sustainability in our traditions we are called as Vaishnavs and that's connected to the name Vishnu which is the name of of the divine and Vishnu has to do with maintenance and sustainability so as Vaishnavs we are expected to be good at sustainability which is sometimes difficult because it's easier to begin something uh, it's more it's much more easier to destroy that thing that you began <laughs> But to sustain that you that what you created, that's a whole art in itself. You know? So that's pretty connected with the mm. with the notion of art, because sometimes we conceive art, and I, I we will speak, of course, about creativity, and creativity is more linked with the idea of creation, to create a piece of art. But what about to make that art sustainable, if you will, the sustainability? <laughs> In, in the context of art, even be easier, of course, to destroy whatever painting you have done. That's relatively easier <laughs> to create it. In one sense, it's more difficult, but to sustain your cre your artistic creation, that's an, another art altogether. We will say, and, and we are really interested in that when we when we start to speak about arts and and spirituality, hmm? like arts and bhakti. Hmm? Interestingly, I don't know if you have heard already this. This line from the from the Bhagavad Gita, but it is a very nice verse in chapter two. I think it's verse fifty, and then Krishna there will say say basically Yoga Karmasu Kaushalam, Yoga Karmasu Kaushalam, which means basically, Yoga is the art in every activity. So he there he links the concept of art, and 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 Yoga, how through everything we are doing, we can. Uh, in, engage in art. Of course, for those artists or those of you artists, we may have you may have some. We may conceive. I, I consider somehow myself as an artist as well. I like to to draw, to paint, to write, to make music. So, yeah. <laughs> and we are all artists somehow or other. I mean, even though if we, you think you don't have any artistic uh, talent, that's that's in potential there somehow or other. No? Because again, the ultimate art for us is. Uh, what to do, what to say. Um, instead of, I mean, we, we may offer a song, we may present writing, we may prepare whatever piece of art, but ultimately, at least in, in the concept of bhakti, we are the the offering. So we are the, the piece of art, the work of art that is to be ultimately offered. So we may compose a song and offer the song, if you will, to the divine, but in that offering, whatever art we have, we are trying to offer ourselves. We are trying to ourselves become art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, we don't like to conceive art as outside of, of ourselves, if you will. But actually, art is an extension of, of the artist, of what's in the artist. As we, was, we were speaking the other day at Julian's house, we had a, a nice meeting last Wednesday. So we were saying that Sometimes in this world, we, we tend to think that form 
is a limiting factor. We were speaking about the worship of sacred images in the Hindu tradition, sometimes called murti. No? And sometimes people may say, but why you are representing God in a form that's limiting the unlimited? Sometimes that argument may be there. <laughs> but because generally we think that form is something that limits. But actually, for example, in art, form ideally is there to facilitate rather than to limit. If you are a, a, a painter, uh, you, you need a canvas for expressing your inherent art, if you will. <laughs> if you are a musician, you need a, a guitar as as Julian had in his hands some minutes ago, to, to extend, there it is. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> so you need that form. That's a form, if you will. It's a form, but it's not a form that is limiting Julian in his expression, but actually it's facilitating his, the extension of his inner self into the form of a song, a painting, poetry, whatever, whatever branch of art. So the point is that for us, art is... What we call art is basically ourselves trying to reach the the highest degree of expression. I mean, ourselves expressed in the most refined possible way. That's the the the, the, the underlying uh, struggle, if you will, <laughs> of the artist. <laughs> there is something in there, and, and and we don't want that to to make an implosion, but explosion. <laughs> It has to go outside. You know, if it doesn't go, if you do not express, you get depressed. You no, know? so that's basically a play of words. Now, if you don't express, you get depressed. So you need to express. But of course, there are, way, there are ways of and ways of expressing ourselves. So when we speak about art, especially in the context of spirituality, we are trying to to think in ed edifying, edifying, uh, occupational. Hmm, uh, Therapy, if you will, is therapeutical at the same time. It's healing, it's purifying, it's enlightening, all at the same time. For example, interestingly, in, in India, in the sacred tradition of, of, of the East, when we speak about what we call poetry here, they will say kabya. But actually, for them, kabya is not just poetry. But kabya means a type of poetry which will uh, upgrade our consciousness, uplift our present condition that will make us better than what we are now, that will make us get closer, a little bit closer at least to our inner potential. Because in the name of poetry, you can also degrade yourself. I mean, there is what we may call, according to the Gita, tamasic poetry, rajasic poetry, or sattvic poetry, according to different influences of this world. So, Strictly speaking, Kavya is not just poetry, but a poetry that is edifying. And the same applies with all the different arts as conceived in Bhakti. Natya, for example, dancing. It's not just dancing, but it's enlightening dancing, if you will. You are not just dancing, but you are enlightening yourself while dancing. <laughs> poetry is not just poetry, but you are enlightening yourself while composing your poetry. Sangeet or music it's not just music because again you can make music dance and poetry in a non-enlightened uh, way that can take you into different you can be taken into so many different directions but interestingly in the the bhakti conception all these arts are actually there as facilitators as we mentioned before not as 
things that will contract our consciousness, but will help us, our consciousness, to express itself, to flourish, to explode in a healthy way. <laughs> so in this way, it's a very important point for us that art is necessarily something, is ideally conceived with an enlightening purpose. That's its ultimate reach. Of course, we can conceive art in so many other levels, but here we are interested I hope all of us are here in this group, Atma, <laughs> with that particular focus. How to deal with art in such a way that I become, let's say, the best version of myself. <laughs> How can art can help me in that connection? And again, when I say art, it's just a particular way in which our inner self is trying to, to reach the surface. That, that's what human being is all about, we will say. In human being... Consciousness is starting to, 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 to make certain unique questions to itself that are not present in other forms of life, for example. Most of the questions that uh, are present in other species, less complex forms of life, like animal species and so on, mostly the questions are had to do with how. how. How to eat, how to survive, how to sleep, how to... And, and nature in a very natural way, responds to that. You see, most of the animals, they receive what they need because they follow their nature. And nature provides. You follow your nature, nature provides. Mm. But we as humans do not only ask ourselves these uh, quantitative questions on how, but also qualitative questions. And the question is, why? <laughs> That's a, the question that arises in, in human birth. Why? Why, why am I? <laughs> Animals are not asking this question themselves. And, and, and we need to, to pay attention to that question because that question is that the question that makes us humans. And art has a lot to do with solving that question. That's my point here. Art is a, a, a whole struggle for, for reaching identity, for, for reaching ourselves, for knowing ourselves. Even if, if, if as an artist we may not be aware of that. Mm -hmm. And we may be saying, no, I'm doing art because, I don't know, I'm having fun or I'm just doing some cathartic expression and whatever. I'll do art because if not, I will kill my whole family. So that's a way of <laughs> dovetailing the tendency. <laughs> I'm giving just some maybe tragic comic examples, whatever may be the case. But in the, in the background, the underlying inst instinct in all of us human souls, if you will, is trying to to solve this existential crisis that human life in itself represents. <laughs> now, it's not only that you have an existential crisis being human, being human is an existential crisis. And the word crisis is not a, a bad word. That's my point. I'm not saying, oh, it's a problem, crisis, crisis. We don't want crisis. No, crisis is a break, a breakthrough, a break point, you not know, like entry points and portal. So to ask certain questions that require the best of yourself to, to answer them. Who am I? In and who am I not very quickly? Oh, you are this. You are spirit. You are soul. Next question. But which are all the implications of that question and of that answer? Oof, there is no unlimited depth to investigate. So a real artist will, in the sense of, in the context of bhakti, in the context of spirit, will be willing to approach art in that sense. We understand art is a, is a vehicle, it's a, it's a very nice means 
to to express and to speak about those things that really are beyond sometimes normal speech. And for example, let's go back to poetry uh, and, and connect poetry with I don't know love. In in our particular tradition, most of our main texts are written in poetry, because that's the language that most closely resembles that divine realm of love, harmony, beauty. I mean, poetry is a, it's a it's a very it's a language that allows things to happen that won't be allowed in other type of language. You know, for example, in poetry, the wing the, the moon can have wings and, and fly across the sky. That's that's allowed. That's that's necessary for. <laughs> but outside of the realm of poetry, that's like what are you telling? I mean, are you crazy? No. But in poetry, there is much more space, much much more possibilities, much more potential. And again, in connection to spirit, to consciousness, that language is is the most appropriate. When you are in love, basically, you will see everything in terms of poetry. <laughs> if you will, you'll have like a poetic glance, and you will see reality harmony and everything conspiring in, in, in the proper direction uh, and so on. And, and for us in bhakti, bhakti means basically ultimately love. Hmm? And we want to to enter into those lands, to enter into that, let's say, appreciation of reality where we really see the underlying love that is pervading everything. Actually, everything is pervaded by love. The, the 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 real problem is that we are looking in the wrong direction. We could say we are we are considerably distracted. Once one one very nice philosopher from Argentina I like a lot. He said, "You are not depressed. You are distracted only." <laughs> like implying when you feel you are depressed, that only means you are looking too much in the wrong direction. You are insisting too much in a direction when you won't feel love, you won't perceive that reality. So, according to Bhakti, whatever we find in this world has its root in, in, the trans- in transcendence. Here we find a, a partial representation of ultimate reality, and, uh, <clears throat> and that ultimate reality is all about truth, Beauty, harmony. I mean, that's that's the rule there. That's the rule there, and that's the cause. Let's say the original cause, sarva karana karana in Sanskrit. And this is the effect. We can call. We can see this world as the effect, if you will, the the creation. <laughs> and in the creation, we always find some elements of the creator. In the in in the effect, we find some elements of the cause. So, whenever we find in this world, it's pointing to the higher realms, where everything finds its proper place, when everything is found in perfect harmony. Here in this world, we may find lack of harmony and so many things that are unbecoming, but all of them are indirectly speaking about how all those things find the most perfect expression in ultimate reality. So, for us, art and creativity has to do with... uh, Attaining that identity which corresponds with that higher realm gradually, gradually getting closer, and especially in bhakti, I think you are relatively um, aware of some of the elements of our tradition as Dinabandu informed. So we have 
very, uh, let's say, aesthetic uh, conceptions of the divine, like the very idea of Krishna. I, I imagine all of you have heard this word and have some idea of who Krishna is. Hmm? So <laughs> he is a very uh, epitome, you say, no, of, of beauty. He's the form of beauty, as my guru will call. Beauty has a form, a ultimate form. <laughs> Sometimes we speak about beauty and, and, and it may remain an abstract concept, beauty, beauty, beauty. But is there a form of beauty, a condensed <clears throat> embodiment that is not physical, that is not limiting, <laughs> unlimited form of unlimited beauty? And we say, yes, for us that's Krishna. It has a lot to do with with harmony, and, and art has a lot to do with harmony. That's a very important point that also for us in our tradition, harmony and, and sustainability, if you will, harmony has to do has to do with how to deal with these so-called opposing elements and, and create some, and, and engage in what we may call some creative tension. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because we, tension is there, how, how we can create, invoke creativity through tension. How we can harmonize those things that seem contradictory and create a higher synthesis, if you will, of, of expression of reality. Mm-hmm. So, for us as practitioners, that's very important. The constant healthy struggle for harmony. And a higher degree of harmony. And a higher degree of harmony. That, that's the cons- constant quest of love. Reaching a higher level of, of self in the in the in the in the words of Abraham Maslow, self actualization. <laughs> so there is a nice there is a nice verse in our tradition which speaks about how love expresses itself and says bit which means love moves in a crooked way just like a snake. Like in zigzag you say? Mm-hmm. It doesn't follow a fixed pattern. You cannot like anticipate. Oh, it will go here, then we'll go there, they will go there, and they will go there. And I, I, I control it. I can trap it. No, no. It's unpredictable. So you are, if you want to love, and if you want to experience the ultimate love, you will be choosing to be thrown, if you will, to enter into the arena of unpredictability with all its implications. That's what it means to to be an artist as well. You're entering into a realm that has a lot to do with mysterious things, unknown elements. Uh, it takes you out of the comfort zone, let's say, in, in practical terms. <laughs> an artist is someone who voluntarily goes out of his, her comfort zone. It's a very courageous personality and trying to explore the unknown, that which for many people is totally uh, fearful. I mean, most of us are totally paralyzed when we are just, like, suggested that you want to try something outside the comfort zone. For most of the persons, like, no way. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay in my sofa here, in my ego sofa here. <laughs> Do not keep me out from there. But, but actually, art is a big, very, again, courageous project where, where the artist himself, herself, chooses voluntarily to explore those areas that are totally unknown, entering into the realm of mystery, the realm of paradox, the realms of, of where things won't be as you expected, basically, where things 
will operate in harmony, in perfect harmony, but according to certain laws that were previously unknown to you. Mm. <laughs> and it's a realm where you will enter not to control, but to be carried by that, by that harmonious wave. So it's a very challenging invitation. Because you are not to control there. If you want to enter there, you are to enter there as a contributor. You say contributor? Not as a, I'm the main character here and everything will revolving around me. So a real artist will have lots of humility also. Sometimes it's not so popular in mundane art. <laughs> Some people basically engage in art for exactly the opposite purpose. Sometimes I want fame. I want to be the center. And that unfortunately rests merit to the to the presentation if you will it's somehow like pollutes the the contribution but but yeah real art has to to do with with voluntarily choosing to enter the realm of the unknown and discover a higher a new level of harmony a new level of beauty a new level of truth all the things are the the values that confirm art truth beauty, harmony. And there's no limit to that. That's an interesting thing. When you really embrace art in connection with spirits, spiritual practice, you start to glimpse at this possibility. Oh, there's no limit to how true truth can be, if you will. <laughs> how truthful I can become. I mean, there's no limit. And that may be overwhelming also. <laughs> so be careful. No, do, not, do not engage in an overdose of, of that. <laughs> But it can be, I mean, there's no limit to how much beauty you can uh, experience as much as you do not want to exploit beauty. That's a very important point. Generally, in this world, beauty is the most long uh, hunkered thing. But in the context of trying to take beauty, manipulate beauty, exploit, and as much as you approach with an intention, beauty is no longer beautiful. <laughs> so we are, once, once one... <clears throat> one teacher of mine, he told me, one preceptor, he told me, in this context, you have to understand the idea, he said, we are not to exploit beauty. We are to be exploited by beauty. <laughs> now, in the proper sense of exploitation, we are to be controlled by beauty. Beauty, real beauty is something so beautiful <laughs> that basically... You just want to be a puppet in its hands. Mm. You, you don't even think about, I will manipulate this. Because it's such a high, unknowable substance that the only thing you can think about is, I will totally give myself to this, to this reality. It's too beautiful. The last thing I can think is, I will exploit this. I mean, it's like unthinkable. Mm. <laughs> how I can serve this, how I can contribute to this, how I can be a little tiny, even tiny part of such a project, that will be my greatest fortune, something like this. And again, in the context of bhakti, all these ideas, which may still sound a little bit abstract, become personified in, for us in the figure of Krishna, which interestingly, <clears throat> one of the names of Krishna, he has many, one, and each of these names point to some of his attributes. So one of his names is Kalaniti. Kalaniti, which means he's an ocean of arts. <laughs> Kalaniti. Niti means ocean. And Kala, in this case, means arts or art, artistic flavor. 
So he's an ocean of uh, ocean. The idea of ocean conveys the, the the notion of unlimited. If you are standing in front of the ocean, you cannot see its beginning nor its end. You cannot probably fathom its depths either. So it's like there's you get a glimpse of infinity when when glimpsing at the ocean. So this is the idea. Kalanidhi, he's an ocean of art. Everything in him is art, strictly speaking. Because everything in him is truth, beauty, and harmony. Every single step. Even in the scripture it is depicted not only Krishna, but everyone who is aligned in tune with, with, with him, if you will. Every, every step they make is dance in that realm of beauty. Every word they pronounce is song. So one of our teachers say, if every step is dance and every word is song, what must be the actual dancing and singing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if only the walking is dancing and the, sp and the talking is singing, what must be when they actually start to dance and sing? I mean, mm. we have to find a new word for that. <laughs> So in this way, these great sages try to give us an idea of all that is happening there. You know? And of course, needless to say, we are we are invited hmm, to become part of, of such a world. So we have Krishna, and as you may have heard, we have also Sri Radha, which is Krishna's female counterpart. We we have this absolute in, into the Diyat form. Mm -hmm. And she also receives a similar name. She's called Kalavati, Krishna's Kalanidhi. She is Kalabhati, which means the same idea in feminine terms, an expert in arts, an ocean of, of dexterity, if you will. <laughs> so this is a very nice idea. When, 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 you, when we reach higher and higher realms, everything tends to become artistic. Every single detail is perceived as such because it's, it is um, like surcharged with a particular intention, with a particular, let's say, love, strictly speaking. If you love, strictly speaking, if you love, everything that will emanate from you will be art. I mean, you don't need to pick a guitar, you don't need to, to take a canvas, you don't need to write poetry, you may be drinking a glass of water, you may be having a shower, <laughs> you may be whatever. Mm -hmm. And that will be art, because there's love there. That's the main point. And love has to do with truth, beauty, and harmony. And those are the main elements. You, you take out truth, beauty, and harmony from art, you don't have art any longer. I don't know how to call that. <laughs> but if you have truth, beauty, and harmony, because you have love, everything will be become artistic. So, so for us as searchers of, of, of truth, beauty, and harmony of love, yeah, art is such a, a crucial way. And that's why I say before, even if someone may say, no, Swami, I don't know to write poetry, how to draw, how to paint, how to write, how to play any instrument. Okay, it doesn't mean you are not an artist. Because again, you have the potential for loving. And love includes in itself truth, beauty and harmony. And there is no higher artistic expression than that. So the potential for that is in every single soul. Save every single, of every one of us, basically, to taste love. We, in Sanskrit, we have a nice term. It's a complex term to translate that is called rasa. It's a complex term. It's, there is no single word that can just translate that in one word. 
sometimes they say mellows or juice or something, but there is one translation <clears throat> that my uh, spiritual perceptor uses in that connection that I, I like. And it's a complex term, nonetheless. <laughs> so he translates Ras as sacred aesthetic rapture. So that's an interesting notion, rasa. That's a for us. That's the ultimate experience in bhakti called rasa, which means sacred aesthetic rapture, hmm? rapture. So you are, you understand the word rapture, rapturement, mm -hmm. like from tip to toe, you are totally engrossed in connection to something which is aesthetic, and which has to do with beauty, but in the context of sacredness. Again, not trying to. Uh, to colonize <laughs> beauty, but being willing to be, again, totally captured by that higher wave. So all these words put together make for this expression of, of, of rasa, which converges in this idea of the topmost beauty, which is so beautiful that it's not to be, again, colonized nor exploited, and captures ourselves totally. That's our experience even in this world, when you are in front of a beautiful, whatever, landscape, some particular work of art or something that has to do with deep beauty, all your functions uh, become paralyzed, if you will. And you just become captured by that. All your senses, mind, intellect, everything becomes fully, fully converging in that particular expression of art, that portal, if you will. So there we have a glimpse of how much art, how much beauty can consume our attention, consume our being, if we just <laughs> direct that or look for that in, in the correct direction. So, beauty is the topmost, again, that's the whole idea of Krishna, as you have heard. Krishna represents the all-attracted. Hmm? Srila Jiva Goswami, one of our teachers, will say, Krishna means irresistibly, irresistibly, you say in English? Attractive. Hmm? So, something that is so beautiful that what to do? You cannot resist, basically. I mean, it's too much. So you cannot say no. But in a natural way, again, it's not something that is forcing you against your will. But on the opposite, you became totally captivated in that direction. So, so that's the name of the person. Imagine you go on the street and you meet some person and say, What's your name, sir? My name is irresistibly attractive. <laughs> so, of, and, and, and what if the person really represents that? Because you can have the name, but... <laughs> to say that Krishna is not different from his name. So he has that name, and he really walks the talk, as they say. Mm -hmm. you know? So if someone is supremely attractive, you will want to have his WhatsApp contact. You want mm -hmm. to have some link with that person somehow or other. <laughs> but again, all this is to be done in the context of uh, love and reciprocation, not, not calculated uh, taking, hmm? mm -hmm. but giving, mm -hmm. giving. And, and again, the ultimate giving is the giving of, of ourselves. Mm -hmm. The ultimate offering is the offering of ourselves. So through art, for us, art in one sense helps us to, to express our inner self and our inner potential, but also in that process, we enter in touch with the ultimate reality that is made of art, that is composed in its very essence of truth, beauty, and harmony, where every single speck of dust, and again, it may sound poetic, and it's the more that I can do by using language to depict that, that realm, that every single atom and speck of dust 
is really made of truth, <laughs> beauty, and harmony. Mm. And I don't want to sound idealistic, no? like I'm speaking about to you about the other world and you say, okay, nice, so I mean, very nice, very nice, but <laughs> I have not reached there yet. And I'm here, New Jersey or whatever city you may be now, and I'm dealing with all this mundane relativity and the stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we all in somehow or other there. So that's a challenge for the artist. The challenge is, okay, I have the theory and this prospect and all these beautiful notions and ideals but of course I, I find myself not being fully realized in, in that connection I don't have full insight of that I have gyan but not big gyan in Sanskrit we will say I have knowledge about that but not wisdom that knowledge has not yet fully matured into the form of a vision mm -hmm. because you can hear something and entertain that in your intellect another thing is that becomes so ingrained in you that it becomes like a lens and you start to see reality through that new <laughs> vision. It's a gradual process. Gradually, gradually, this, this has to happen. There has to be some... I mean, we should perceive some progress in our, let's say, artistic developments, uh, artistic development, spiritually speaking. We should perceive that all this... I'm engaging in my artistic expression in such a way that this giving me higher vision, deeper vision. And I start to have glimpses of that world here. Mm. Because again, when I say that other world, I'm not speaking about some geographical movement. Someday one plane will come and will take you there. No, that's a movement in consciousness, where we are focusing our, how we are approaching everything. Mm. And as once I remember Thomas Merton said, someone that I really appreciate a lot, and he's a great, I will consider a great artist. He was a, a Christian monk, and a writer, and a poet, and many other things. <laughs> and he will say, uh, your salvation begins in the most ordinary moments of your daily life. <laughs> in this connection, like, those moments of your day that you feel these are the most ordinary chapters of my daily life try to find the extraordinary in the ordinary and try, try try to not be like complacent with that ordinary view of things try to go beyond try to be an artist mm -hmm. <laughs> try to extract mm, truth beauty and harmony where it seems there is not in theory we know it's everywhere in the underlying platform truth beauty harmony is everywhere so if i cannot see it here okay that's my artistic challenge of the day <laughs> mm. how can i extract this artistic reality this underlying beauty in in this situation that i only see chaos i only see i don't know something i'm becoming as an artist i have committed myself to this idea so i mean i mean to be an artist from a to t to the last T, <laughs> all the letters of the word, is a big commitment. Because again, you have to walk the talk not only when you take the canvas or, or the guitar, but at every single thing you do, even when you go to the bathroom, if you will. I mean, the, the challenge is, how can I find art here? How can I get in touch with truth, beauty and harmony in those moments that I feel they are totally embarrassing and whatever, <laughs> ordinary, there's nothing ordinary. 
We may see things ordinary, that's our view, but everything is full of extraordinariness. <laughs> but again, that's the challenge for the artist, because we have that vision on one level, for sure, but that vision needs to be upgraded on a daily basis, in a sustainable way. Again, we spoke about sustainability at the beginning, <laughs> so all this has to be done in a sustainable way. It has to be like too extreme and we throw out of the window our artistic project after two weeks. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the whole, our whole lifetime is to be conceived in those terms and as you may know, for us, there is not only one single lifetime. So we are projecting ourselves to eternity, to a life, to eternal life uh, in the context of living artistic, artistically, not more and more and more. And it doesn't reach the top. That's the most beautiful thing. Even when you reach this ultimate realm of truth, beauty and harmony, according to each one's conception, but it doesn't stop there. I mean, that's like a new beginning when you reach such a place. <laughs> when you reach a plane of pure love, the dynamics of love is that it, full, it, it fulfills you completely, but at the same time, you can always love more. Mm -hmm. There's always room for improvement. And that's the nature of life. If not, it will be boring. Imagine you reach a place with, I mean, everything is in place, everything is perfect, there is no need for change and improvement and movement. You say, oh no, I want to, I don't want to go there. <laughs> mm -hmm. That sounds too static, not ecstatic, but mm -hmm. static. <laughs> so for us, transcendence is dynamic. There is movement, but the movement is out of love, out of harmony, out of beauty. It's a constant creation, if you will, a higher and higher creation. For us, that's how we like to conceive even God. We like to conceive God as a, as a great, the greatest artist, <laughs> totally absorbed in, in, in a constant development of his work of art that is totally, constantly expanding and growing, but all in terms of love, all in terms of affection. We, we, we ambition God as, as that, as a person which is lost, in love, he's totally in love, <laughs> and, and 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 he's being so in love, he's engrossed in artistic expression. Whatever he does is art, and he's totally dedicated to the <laughs> to the artistic cause of expanding that creation more and more and more, and every time reaching new new heights. So that's an interesting idea of God, very different to the, the idea that generally we receive <laughs> of who God is. No? Like quite a boring picture of someone with long birds sleeping in, in a cloud and throwing some thunderbolts here and there when you don't behave nicely. <laughs> so on the other side here you have an idea, no, he's an, art, an artist. He's fully in love with everything and everyone. He's kind of, he goes deeper and deeper and deeper and there is no end to that. And he wants us also to be part of the symphony, huh? of, of the symphony. The, the whole creation is like a symphony. Everyone is playing its role, playing its instrument, if you will. <laughs> God is the director, and there is harmony. I mean, we, we can be part of the symphony, but we have to know how to play our instrument in the proper key also. <laughs> and, and we will be part of something bigger than us. But we will be part of that. That's the important thing. The, the problem is we want to be bigger and not part of something bigger than us. So art has to do with, again, this proper combination of uh, humility, sincerity, sobriety, recognizing basically who we are 
who we can be. Um, and yeah, finding ourselves more and more and more and more and more and more <laughs> and finding everything in that. That's an interesting thing. When you really uh, live an artistic life, you, you, you live your life with an, out, with an artistic, spiritual, artistic like outlook, like everything fits in place more and more. Everything has a meaning. Everything has a purpose. I mean, and that's the most important thing. Art is totally connected, at least for me, with purpose. I know that maybe schools of art that they may promote the exact opposite thing, purposeless art. And I don't care what I do. The idea is that it has no purpose. But even if you, if you present your art as purposeless art, that's the purpose of your art. <laughs> so. <laughs> So you cannot escape purpose. Even you say, oh no, my purpose is non-purpose. Well, that's some form of purpose. <clears throat> so so the idea is that purpose is so crucial for us. And with this, I'm almost closing my presentation. Because actually, strictly speaking, again, throughout we are looking for purpose. We are looking for everything to make perfect sense and who we are and so on. Without purpose, we can even no longer remain alive. I remember reading this very heavy book, very strong book, but very nice in its own way. Book from Viktor Frankl. I don't know if you have heard about him. He wrote a book called The Man in Search of Meaning. We have been speaking with Dino Bando the other day about him. He's a psychologist. He created a whole therapy called Logotherapy. Very interesting. But basically his point is he has been a prisoner in the concentration camp, Nazi concentration camp in Auschwitz. So he has been through the toughest things ever imagined <laughs> and the point he made regarding purpose was I, 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 I realized that in the concentration camp most of the people who died there they died because they no longer were able to find purpose to what was happening to them but human beings can endure so many things so many hardships and difficulties and physical level but whenever they reach this point where they feel there's no longer purpose they give up because we cannot live without purpose. So sometimes people will create purpose, imagine purpose, or we, as we spoke the other day with Dina Bando, will will switch to madness to find purpose in insanity because they were no longer they were not able to find purpose in so-called reality. <laughs> it was too crazy, <laughs> so they switched to insanity to find a new sense of purpose, if you will. <laughs> so my point is. We cannot live without purpose, and art has a lot to do with, with purpose. And we can find the purpose of our lives in art, and what to speak, spiritual art, for sure. And we may end a little bit mad by doing that, but it's a healthy madness. <laughs> now, when you are in love, as I am speaking, our spiritual art has to do with truth, beauty, and harmony, and that means love, you will go crazy. But in the, in the healthy way of the term, please bear that in mind <laughs> so for us basically free will means which type of madness do you want to embrace no <laughs> divine madness or secular madness the, la the later will be bitter and divine madness will be the sweetest thing ever imagined you will be mad in the eyes of the world basically but but in the higher realm you will be the, the most sober person so we, we are trying here to share some words and give amongst ourselves some encouragement regarding how how we can get closer to this reality in a sustainable way, realistic way, charming way, inspiring way. So I hope something of what I've shared today 
I, I haven't prepared anything, just I try to <laughs> trust the artistic in underlying current of reality to say something through me. <laughs> so I hope at least some, at least one word made sense to you and created some highlight for today. So it's my pleasure and great fortune to have your company today. So my pleasure to meet many of you today for the first time and Julian and some others for not the first time. So my pleasure in every single case. So thank you so much. And I will put to rest my presentation here today and we'll pass the mic to Dino Bandu so you continue with the remaining part of the session. So thank you very much all of you.